Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Lately, it seems I'm having a lot of conversations about worship. That, that probably doesn't come as a surprise. After all, I'm a pastor. Worship is what we do. But it feels like I'm having more conversations about worship than ever before. And I'll be honest, it's, it's starting to wear on me. Endless conversations about online worship and how we can make it better. Conversations about how to reopen, when to reopen for in-person, indoor worship. Conversations about once we are inside for worship, what COVID restrictions, precautions we need to take. Conversations about the order of worship. Questions about my commitment to First Church's tradition of musical excellence. Questions and conversations about what qualifies as traditional and what doesn't. Conversations about modern worship versus traditional worship versus blended worship. Some conversations recently about some false assumptions about my preference for worship style. Conversations about what kind of worship reaches new people and makes the church grow. A lot of conversations about the way we used to worship in the past. Lots of conversations about people's personal preference, their personal taste for what they like to hear and worship. And on and on and on and on. And be honest, as much as I value worship and understand its importance, I'm getting sick of it. Sick of it. Don't get me wrong, worship is important. Worship matters. Worship is, is one of the central core things we do as Christians. And First Church has a great tradition of worship. We have the most gorgeous sanctuary. We have talented musicians. We have a great heritage of worship, both traditional and modern. And I want you to hear this. Please hear this. I am committed to always honor the great traditions of First Church, both in our modern and our traditional services. And if you ever hear otherwise, it's a lie. I honor those traditions, and I value them. I love to worship. I love to preach. I love to plan worship. I've sung in choirs. I've played in worship bands. I've led modern worship. I wrote my doctoral dissertation on worship. Worship as a pastor is in my blood. But please hear this. Worship is not the primary function of the church. 
or the primary duty of a Christian. I'm just going to say that again. Worship is not the primary function of the church or the primary duty of a Christian. Worship is important. Offering worship that is God-honoring and honoring to our guests is important. But it's not the only thing or the most important thing that we do. The primary function of the church is to make disciples of Jesus for the transformation of the world. I'm going to say that again. The primary function of the church is to make disciples of Jesus for the transformation of the world. Worship matters as it serves that function and purpose. So why do we worship? What is the purpose of worship? It's to regularly, weekly, if not more, gather as a community around the presence of God. It's an opportunity for us to come together and be reminded of who God is and to be reminded that we're not God. And it's a time that we can trust, we can count on, that we will be recipients of God's amazing grace. Friends, the work of the church, the primary function of the church, is not inside the four walls of the church as we worship. The primary function of the church is outside, out in the world where the church is needed. We gather here in worship to hear about God's power, but we're sent out into the world to unleash that power. We come together in worship to experience God's love and grace, but then we're sent to love our neighbor. We come together in worship to hear about Jesus, his words, his deeds, and then we're sent into the world to speak those words and enact those deeds. The primary work of the church is not what we do inside our walls. The primary work we're called to is out in the world. A pastor of a church in Washington, D.C., Mark Batterson, writes, Do you really think God's ultimate dream for your life is to sit in a pew every week, listening to a message, and singing a few songs. He doesn't mean that worship isn't important. It is. But there is intended to be a natural, reciprocal, organic, symbiotic relationship between our worship and our work. We gather and we scatter. We come together and we go. We come and we're sent. What we do in worship is meant to be lived out in worship through our words, our deeds, our actions, our lifestyle in the world. One flows from the other to the other. There was an 18th century Anglican missionary named Henry Martin who said, the spirit of Christ is the spirit of mission. The nearer we get to him, the more intensely missionary we become. Do you see the connection? Worship is the, is the drawing near to Christ. And as we draw near him, we are meant to become like him. And that means we adopt, we, we become missionary 
in our perspective, our actions, worship and work, drawing close and being sent, one flows from the other, and without the other, neither is complete. Have you, have you ever noticed that there's not a single example in the Gospels of Jesus inviting people to come and worship him? Not one. But there's example over and over and over of Jesus saying, come and follow me. Come be part of what I'm doing. And then also sending out to keep the work going. There's a big difference between thinking Jesus invited people to worship him versus follow him. Author Verna Dozier wrote, worship is setting Jesus on a pedestal, distancing him, enshrining him in liturgies, stained glass windows, the whole nine yards. Following him is doing what he did. Following him is discipleship. You ever notice how many of the stories of Jesus, crowds have gathered around him to, to hear what he has to say and to hope he, he performs some miracle. And just when the crowd is getting big, Jesus sort of sneaks away. Rather than relishing in the moment, Jesus passes through the crowd and goes off to some other village. Jesus easily could have just come up with some home base and let the crowds come to him and sit at his feet and adore him and sing songs to him. And Jesus never once did that. Jesus was always on the go and always inviting people to be on the go with him. Bishop Will Williman writes, all the gospels present Jesus on a continual road trip, God in motion, some of Jesus' best words were spoken on the run. So if you want to know about Jesus, you've got to meet him on the road. You ever noticed how, how often Jesus is sending disciples to go do something? Telling them to go, sending them out to do the work? By the way, that hasn't stopped. Jesus is still on the go in the world. And he invites us to follow. In our scripture reading today, Jesus sends out 72 of his followers in pairs. It says, ahead of him into towns and villages. In Luke 10, it said, Jesus speaks to these he's sending out. The harvest is bigger than you can imagine, but there are few workers Therefore, plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. Go, heal the sick, and say to them, God's kingdom has come upon you. He sends them out. They go. They, they take the commission, and they do exactly what Jesus said, and they come back with great stories. They say, even the demons obeyed us. It was a successful mission. Now, that's a little bit of an oversimplification of the story. There, there is, you may have noticed, this long section where Jesus warns them, when you go into a village, some villages are going to welcome you and, and some won't, and, and just move on when they don't. And when you knock on some people's doors, some are going to welcome you in and others aren't. Just move on. 
He even says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, which implies this could be potentially a dangerous mission. Jesus tells them that up front. And then there's even this kind of longer, stranger passage about what's going to happen to the places that don't welcome the disciples. It's admittedly dark. But I don't want us to get focused there because I don't think that's the focus of the story. The disciples don't come back to Jesus and talk about all the places they were rejected and all the hardship they endured. They don't. They come back telling them about victory, success, accomplishment. They're, They're patting each other on the back. They're excited to let Jesus know what's been happening Even Jesus celebrates. (laughs) It says, Luke 10, 21, at that very moment, Jesus overflowed with joy from the Holy Spirit. Now, Now, what exactly did Jesus send the disciples out to do? Specifically, it said, go heal the sick. Now, That is a compassionate thing to do. Every person who struggles with some sort of physical illness longs to be healed. But in that day, it it meant even more than it means now. Remember, they didn't have the resources we have today. They didn't have the, the medical options we have today. When you were sick, it impacted every aspect of your life. Probably, if you, couldn't work, if you were sick, that meant you couldn't work. You couldn't support yourself, which meant that you were poor and forced to beg. There were some diseases that were even categorized as spiritually unclean. That meant that others would become unclean by being with you, by touching you. That excluded you from the marketplace. It excluded you from religious life. It excluded you from, from family life. And oftentimes with sickness, often there, there also was a, a stigma. Maybe this is God's punishment. Maybe they did something wrong. Maybe they deserve this. Maybe this is God's wrath. Maybe this is the work of a demon. Well, you know, today they were just sick and in need of healing. Well, what they were doing was more than just healing their physical malady. They were restoring them in every possible way restoring people fully back to to family life, to work, to religious life, to becoming a a productive, contributing member of community, to to release them from the stigma of shame. They weren't just being healed physically. It was being healed socially, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. The act of healing was quite the opposite of what people expected. It wasn't the wrath of God. Healing revealed the mercy of God, the the love and power that God works on our behalf. But there was a second thing they did. Jesus said, heal them and then tell them the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is available to you. What is the kingdom? The in-breaking spiritual reality of God in our midst, where all are loved, all are welcome, all can be restored, everyone has dignity, everyone deserves to be cared for. By the way, the story was 2,000 years ago, but 
Can you think of any examples today where there's brokenness in our world that needs healing? Where there are people who are stigmatized? Where the kingdom of God is needed? Can can you think of anywhere on earth where it's not quite like heaven? Remember we pray that in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The work of sending is still going on. This, of course, wasn't the last or the only time that Jesus sent people after Jesus' resurrection. It says in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. John 20, 21, as the Father sent me, now I am sending you. Acts 1, 8, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Do you hear the theme? Go. I'm sending you. Be my witnesses. Get out of here. Quit sitting on a pew. Go. There's work to be done. There's people to be healed. There's need out in the world. There's brokenness to be fixed. Go. Hit the road. There's work that needs to be done. When I was in high school, I worked at Palmer Feed Store over on Church Street. My bosses were our own, Warren and Ernie Palmer. Most of the time, it was was pretty busy in there. We were packaging seed and and loading posts on the truck and and hauling bags of feed for customers. We stayed busy all day. But every once in a while, we'd get a a lull and things would, would slow down and we could relax for just a moment. And it seems like just about every time Things would slow down, and I wouldn't be doing anything. Warren, Warren and Ernie's father, Mr. Palmer Sr., would walk in, and he'd see me standing there, and he'd say, quit standing around. Get a broom. I can still hear his voice in my head. I hear a little of that in the spirit of Jesus. Quit sitting around. Get off of the pew. Get out of the church. Get to work. Go. There is work to be done. People need to hear about my kingdom. People need healing. The hungry need feeding. The lost need finding. The broken need restoring. Go. Go. Do something. Go where the broken people are. Go where the needs are. Go where there's injustice. Go where there's pain and hurt and loneliness. Just go and do something in my name. Go to your workplace, go to your classroom, go to a park, go over to your neighbor's house, go to the city streets, go wherever my gospel needs to be preached, go wherever my love needs to be shared, go to the places you've been told to avoid, go. Quit sitting around, go, there's work to be done. Now friends, This might not feel like a very timely message. For the last year, the going has been hard, hasn't it? I mean, mean, every aspect of our life has been disrupted. Gathering for worship or anything else has been restricted and limited. Our ability to, to get out in the world has been served, has been limited. We're not supposed to have a lot of interactions. It's hard. 
Undeniably, the circumstances of the last 12 months, the pandemic, have restricted ways that we as a church can gather and ways that we can serve. But thankfully, hopefully, we're entering into a new season. And friends, whatever the reasons have been, whatever the excuses maybe have been over the last year, if we're going to be honest, before this pandemic ever started, weren't we all a little guilty of doing a little more gathering than going? And, and even when we gathered, how much of that gathering has really been for God? And how much of it has really been for us? Worship that makes me feel good. Music that I like to hear. People that I like to be with. Activities that my family enjoys. If we're really honest, how much of the gathering that we do is really pretty self-focused and self-centered? Friends, I'm sorry to say it, but that's not worship. That's just spiritual consumption. We talk a lot about getting back to normal. This week, today, as you watch this, some of us are getting back to normal. We've come back to worship inside. We all long for things to get back to normal. But I wonder if First Church needs a new normal. Yes, we will gather. Of course we will. We'll gather for fellowship, gather for, for study, gather for worship. Of course we'll do that. That's so integral to who we are. But as we enter into a new normal, will we also hear the call of Jesus to go? Friends, I can't help but wonder if way too much of our conversation this last year has been about when do we get to come back inside? And I wonder if it's been way too long since we asked the question, how is Jesus calling us to go outside? Maybe we need a lot less gathering and a lot more going. Friends, I believe, as we look to the future, Jesus is telling us to go. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.